Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. You can open with me to the book of Genesis. Uh, we're going to go to Genesis uh, 25 and... Um, we're going to read a story from Genesis 25 in a moment, but uh, I want to, if you want to, if you like taking notes, anyone a note taker, like taking notes and messages, that's good, that's good. Uh, so if you want to take notes and you're, you're taking notes, you can write down the title for today's message as The Great Emoticon. And I want you to put a, a, a dash between emoti and con. So I want to talk about The Great Emoticon today, but I want to start by, uh, does anyone use emoticons? Anyone know what emoticons are? Uh, anyone not know what emoticons are? Okay, I want to show you my favorite emoticon on the screen. I, I think we've got it. Here it is. This is my favorite emoticon. Does anyone else, anyone else like that emoticon? Anyone, anyone else got a different favorite one? Like maybe the, uh, the burger one or the, I'm not sure, the, 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 the angry face one, the wink, the wink, the thumbs up, the thumbs down. I also like the punch. Just to punch it. It's a great guy one because guys don't like to say a lot of words. It's just great to feel like you can text back and just say punch because that's actually what sometimes as guys we just want to say. We don't want to say anything, you know. And girls say, what are you thinking about? And guys say, we're not thinking about anything. I'm thinking about nothing. And girls think you're lying. No, 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 really. It's possible to think about nothing. You know that, right? I mean, guy, every guy relates and straight away understand. Yeah, it's possible. Like, what are you thinking about? My wife says to me all the time, come on, tell me, what are you thinking about? Nothing. No, really, come on, tell me, what are you thinking about? Nothing, really, it's possible, there is nothing in there. You know, I'm not thinking about anything. And, uh, but if you say to a girl, what's wrong, and she says nothing, it's not nothing, okay? It's like pray, run, hide, okay? And uh, God's good, love my wife. Okay, Genesis 25, moving on. Genesis 25 it tells a story of two brothers. I love the Bible, I love this story. It says, as the boys grew up, Esau who was one of the brothers, became a skillful hunter. Any hunters? Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> crickets, cool. Okay, he was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home and sip coffee. Anyone like lattes? Okay, yeah, all right, so maybe relate a bit more there. Uh, Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebecca loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. And Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Well, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation. Who thinks exaggeration right there, yeah? Uh, Said Esau, what good is my birthright to me now? Verse 33, but Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. So here's Esau and he's, he trades future blessing. He trades his, his future. He trades all the good things that God has for him. He trades his inheritance he trades God's blessing on his life. He trades that for a bowl of beans. Now, who likes beans? 
Yeah, anyone like baked beans? No one likes beans. Like, you never think, I'm going to go to a really good bean restaurant. You know what I mean? You think, I'm going to go to a steak restaurant. I'm going to go to a Spanish restaurant. I'm going to go to a, to a, you know, Singaporean restaurant. You don't think, I'm going to a bean restaurant. I don't even know if there is a bean restaurant. And if there is, hopefully it burns down. Because nobody likes to eat beans. And yet, here's Esau trading his future for a bowl of beans. Why? Why? In fact, I think we do this all the time. We just don't realize it. And I want to talk this morning about this, 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 this exact thing. And I want to talk about essentially the tension between emotion and wisdom. Because emotion says, I'm starved. I'm starving. I need this right now. And emotion, as we're led by emotion, what we're tempted to do is trade what's most important, our birthright, for what's most immediate. Friend, never trade the immediate for the important. But in life, we're constantly tempted, whether it's by work pressures, whether it's by by financial pressures, whether it's by the allure of certain things, whatever it might be, by internal things that are just a desire within us. And we're tempted to trade what's most important for what's most immediate. We find ourselves sometimes in this tension between emotion and wisdom. We we often know what the right thing to do is, but we just don't feel like doing it. Can anybody relate with that? It's like, yeah, we know we should exercise. We just don't really want to, okay? We don't like pain. So emotion and wisdom. I want to talk this morning in particular about this tension. And, you know, in our life, our emotions are fighting for control. Did you know that? Our emotions, your emotions, and I'm not saying emotions are bad. I need to preface it with this, that you're, it's, it's not wrong to feel. It's actually the way God designed us. He designed us to feel. But our emotions are fighting for control. Um, and when I, was in, when I was in high school, I worked at Subway. Any, anybody like Subway? I was a sandwich artist at Subway. And I was mopping the floor one night. And for some reason, we were still open. The open sign was on, but I locked the door. Uh, to the restaurant as I was mopping. It was just before close. I was mopping the floor and I heard a bang on the wall next to me, on the door next to me and it, it startled me and I looked up and I, when I looked up, I saw a guy there, all black, army boots on, balaclava on his head, hunting knife this big, standing there, s- smashing on the door and this is what he said to me. He said, let me in. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world <clears throat> but I don't think he brought the knife to help carve the... Uh, uh, you, know, you know, the chicken schnitzels. Um, uh, and so I'm like, I, I just, my response was, no, <laughs> I'm not going to let you in. And I called my friend, we called the police, he smashed our cars, he ran off. Okay, anyway, so long story short, re- the reality is in life that there's always things fighting for control in our life. And we often give much thought to guarding the external things. We often give much thought to guarding the, the, our physical property, we are guard, you know, insuring our car, insuring our house. But how much do we really pay attention to what's going on on the inside? Yeah. Proverbs 4.23 says this. He says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So the Bible's actually telling us that we should give much thought to guarding what's happening on the inside, not just the outside of our life, because the inside, what's happening on the inside, what you can't see in my life is going to determine the outcome of my life. In other words, because Esau didn't have a good guard over what was happening on the inside, it determined his future. 
And friend, whatever season of life you're in right now, none of us are immune to making bad decisions simply because we've lost control and we failed to properly guard what's happening on the inside of our life. The reality is that in life, we can either choose to be led by wisdom or led by emotion. And that more often than I think we realize, for us as human beings, we're tempted in the flesh to be led by emotion. But who knows when we, we allow ourselves to live by emotion, we often end up making foolish decisions. Ever made a decision you've regretted? Hands up. Ever, ever met, yeah, I have. You know, and says, often it's because I just, even though we think, oh, I kind of know this is wrong, it just feels right now to do this. I want to buy this or get that or say this or tweet that. And uh, sometimes we, you know, I just couldn't help it. I just had to punch him. You probably didn't have to punch him. It wasn't required, okay? And uh, but I just had to say, you ever, ever like said something and you've seen the words like coming out of it, it's like too late to grab them back and put them back in your mouth. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And it's like, you know, just, you do, it just came out. It slipped out because we live often in this tension between wisdom and emotion. And in fact, Hollywood tells us that to live by emotion that to follow our heart, to follow our feelings, is the greatest form of freedom that we could know. If, if we were to infer often in our society that, that to live by, uh, to, 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 to make a decision not to follow our heart and make a decision not to just be free and follow our feelings, um, often society would tell us that we're in bondage. I've got a picture of Tom Cruise on Oprah's couch. I don't know if you remember this moment a few years ago, uh, a while ago now. And uh, just, it was this picture of following your heart. He was in love with Katie and it was just, it was perfect. It was match made in heaven. It didn't last very long. Um, and it's this picture that Hollywood sells us that the greatest form of freedom is to live by our heart to follow our heart. But this is what the Bible says about our heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah 20, uh, 17 verse 9, the human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So what the, what the, in fact, what the Bible is suggesting is that actually just to follow our heart is actually a foolish way to live. This is what um, a non-Christian, Theodore Derrylimple, says in his book, Our Culture, or What's Left of It. He says this. He's a, he's a um, British psychologist. In his um, assessing modern culture, this is what he wrote. The idea that freedom is merely the ability to act upon one's whims is surely very thin and hardly begins to capture the complexities of human existence. A man whose appetite is his law strikes us not as liberated, but enslaved. No culture that makes publicly sanctioned self-indulgence its highest good can long survive. A radical egotism is bound to ensue, in which any limitation upon personal behavior are experienced as infringements of basic rights. This is what he's saying. Essentially, our culture tells us that if, if we're to decide that I no longer want to just follow what I feel like doing, it's an infringement of human rights. But in fact, the Bible tells us that if we just follow every feeling and every emotion and everything we want to do, we're going to end up in trouble. Listen to this in um, Proverbs 25, verse 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. The walls of a city bring protection. The walls of a city allow the city to prosper. The walls of the city allow commerce to happen within that city. The walls of a city 
Uh, and if, if the Bible's saying that if we simply live without self-control, if we live just following every whim and every emotion and everything we feel like doing and just, I want to buy this and get that and do this, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but when we allow ourselves to be led by emotion, who knows, often we can end ourselves in hot water. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And the Bible's telling us that actually there's a better way to live. It's a life of self-control. And in fact, the Holy Spirit helps us grow in our self-control. And that's what I want to talk today about, about the great emoticon, or in other words, that the great emoticon is that we, there's a con that we're sold, that the highest form of freedom is to live by our emotions. But in fact, the Bible tells us that the highest form of freedom is to live a life with Christ with Christ as our Lord and as our Saviour and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our life. And I've discovered, yeah, amen. And I've discovered, I've discovered that the Holy Spirit, His, His role is to bring emotional maturity to my life. He wants to help me to grow in my emotional maturity. You know, often we're unhappy, not because we lack things, but because we lack control. We lack self-control. Often we're, we're unhappy, not because we lack things, but because we lack self-control. When we allow our flesh to rule, we know that we're out of control. But God's actually created us to live with self-control. And self-control is, is not bondage, but it's actually freedom. So we're free to actually choose. We're free to choose to follow Jesus. We're free to follow the Holy Spirit. We're free to live with self-control. We don't have to be in bondage to the flesh and the sinful nature, but God through Christ has actually won freedom and now we're free to follow Him, not follow what we desire. Who knows what I'm talking about? But who also knows that that's difficult, that it's hard. I just want to talk today about two areas or two areas that God wants to develop emotional maturity in my life. Because who knows that life can be a bit like a roller coaster and we can kind of like be up one day our emotions, right? We can feel great one day, we can feel terrible the next day. And if we're to live by emotion, we can be making a great choice and a bad choice and we can just be going all over the place and God wants to bring emotional maturity to my life. So here's the thought. First thought is this. The first area God wants to help us develop or mature is in our thinking. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 14.20 says. Brothers, don't, uh, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In other words, my thoughts are my responsibility. My thoughts, come on, my thoughts are my responsibility. Listen to this, Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. My wife and I, we own a couple of properties and uh, for a while one of the properties was a share house and we had different tenants living in different rooms and we, I went over to clean one day at the property and I found some bread underneath the kitchen sink that was open and it looked like it had been kind of eaten and I said to one of the guys, what's the bread for? What, what's going on here? Someone's left their bread here and he said, oh, that's for the mice. I said, sorry, excuse me? He said, that's for the mice. What do you mean the mice? He goes, yeah, the mice that run around the house. I said, mice are pests. They're rodents. They're, they carry diseases. You know what? They're mice here. He goes, yeah, there's mice here. They're my friends. I said, the mice are not your friends. And I said, I'm, I'm going to Bunnings. I came back with mouse traps and, and, and you know, poison and 
you know, just whatever, dynamite. And so we came back, we put the stuff around the house. I was putting it around the house. He was following me around the house. He was following me around. He was like almost crying, saying, don't kill the mice. Please don't kill the mice. They're my friends. I said, they are not your friends. And he said, sometimes I get so lonely, I let them come into my bed and I feed them in my bed. And I was, they are not your friends. How often in our life do we allow thoughts that we think are our friends to run rampant in our mind and in fact they're the very antithesis of what God wants for us and what God has for us and I've found when it comes to my thought life that whatever I feed grows the fact is as he was feeding the mice more were coming and whatever I feed in my mind grows whatever I feed grows listen to this in uh in 2 Corinthians 10, 35, uh, 10, sorry, 10 verse 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we can actually take authority over our thinking. You see, whatever I feed grows and whatever I don't take authority over will grow. You know, I've, uh, one of our houses, um, we had like these little weeds and we chopped them back. And my cousin said to me, if you don't poison those right now, like after you've cut them back, they'll grow back bigger. And I didn't do it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for your advice. And didn't do it. Okay. So anyway, these weeds grew back and they grew back bigger and they grew back so big. I let them go and let them go. I didn't deal with them. These weeds grew so big. They grew into these massive like tree weeds and um, they were keep, kept growing. I eventually had to get a chainsaw. It took me two days down one side of our property, had to cut all these things back. It took me two. If what I didn't deal with when they were tiny became massive. And that's the same with our thought life. I shared, uh, I'll share this um, thought from Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a Christian neurologist. And she says this, she says, thoughts are measurable and occupy mental real estate. Thoughts are active, they grow and change. Thoughts influence every decision, word, action, and physical reaction we make. Every time you have a thought, it is actively changing your brain and your body for better or for worse. The surprising truth is that every single thought, whether it's positive or negative, goes through the same cycle when it forms. Thoughts are basically electrical impulses, chemicals and neurons. They look like a tree with branches. And as they thoughts grow and become permanent, more branches grow and the connections become stronger. Your mind and body are really inherently linked. And this link starts with your thoughts. You are not, but this, get this, you're not a victim of biology. God has given us a design of hope. We can switch on our brains, renew our minds, change and heal. In other words, if we don't deal with negative thoughts, if we don't deal with small thoughts, they will grow. But the good news is that God, through Christ, has given us authority. That's why the Bible talks about taking authority over strongholds, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we can actually take the Word of God and we can replace any negative thought, any small thought, any ang anxious thought. We can take authority over it in the name of Jesus with His Word. Come on. And we can replace what is a negative thought, what is a negative seed, with the seed of God's Word. I've found, I'm a terrible gardener, okay, I'll just say that. But I've found with gardening 
that if you don't deal with the weeds and you don't intentionally plant something else, weeds will grow. That it's not enough just to pull the weeds out, but you've actually got to plant something in their place. That you've got to make a decision that you're going to continue to sow God's word into your life. Otherwise, you come out one day and the weed again, sorry, the garden again is full of weeds. Why? Because you haven't intentionally planted something where the weeds were. And it's, God's word is so powerful in bringing down strongholds. We don't war according to the flesh, but we, we bring the word of God to whatever that thought is, whatever that negative thought is. Amen. And we bring, we bring it into obedience to Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. The second area that God wants us to be mature in is our, our desire to follow. So God wants us to mature in our thinking and God wants us to mature in our desire to follow. Actually, I love the, the team to join me for this point. Listen to this scripture in Romans 8. Romans 8 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You know, I've found when it comes to living in this tension between wisdom and emotion, it's not that we shouldn't feel, but it's that we can make a decision to lead our emotions. In other words, my heart and my emotions are my responsibility. My, my mood or my... My mood doesn't have to be determined by my circumstance. I can be in a difficult place, but I can still be free. Paul and Silas were in prison. They weren't yet freed, but they were free because they chose in the midst of that environment still to bring praise to God, to declare His goodness. So whatever situation we're in, that doesn't have to determine our mood. And our mood doesn't have to determine our behavior. I may feel disappointed. I may feel angry. It doesn't mean I have to punch him. I may feel tempted. I just mean I have to follow through with that thought because God's actually through the Holy Spirit gives us authority over that stuff and he allows us or he gives us the ability to actually not be led by our emotions but to lead. And this is how he does it. He does it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just, Jesus described him as a counselor, as a comforter. He comes to counsel. He comes to help. And he's there to help. And we've got small kids and Sometimes our kids aren't well behaved. Usually they are. No, just kidding. They're usually not. But they're awesome. And, um, and as a parent, you know, sometimes you've got this a great plan, right? And you've got this day planned out and you've got everything you want to do and kind of, you know, my daughter at the moment, she doesn't like to wear clothes, uh, or, you know, the clothes I want to put on, you know, and it's freezing and she won't even refuse to wear a jumper. And uh, so I'm like, I've got this whole day planned, right? And I, and I come in the morning and I say, hey, we're, we're going to go out. I just need you. We're just going to get dressed. No. Excuse me. <laughs> no. Uh, but I'm like, excuse me? Like, I've got this whole day planned. And she says, no, no I don't want to do this small thing. And I've found often that the Holy Spirit, He leads us. He guides us. He doesn't force us to change, but He helps us change. He helps us change. That actually as we allow His peace to lead us, that when it comes to living in this tension between wisdom and emotion, often we're tempted just to be led by our heart, to be led by what we feel like doing. But who knows what, what feels right and what is right is often different. 
Esau knew what feels right, but what was the right decision was actually the complete opposite decision. And, and there's maybe some young people here this morning that you've got your whole future ahead of you. And there's going to be things that come and you think, oh, this, this is what everybody else is doing and this is what feels right to me right now. But what the amazing thing is God has given us the Holy Spirit to help lead and guide us. That we need to be mature, not just in our thinking, but mature in our desire to follow Him, not just follow what we want to do. You know, often, you know, young adults come and we, they talk to my wife and I and they say, how do we do, how do I find, you know, the guy or girl of my dreams? You know, I say, here's how to find the guy or girl of your dreams. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Like, it's the greatest key I can give. How do you stay pure in your relationship? Just allow the Holy Spirit to be your guide. He will lead and guide. In our finances, in our parenting, in our families, whatever it might be, allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide. Be mature in my desire, in my ability to follow, to listen, to stop, to hear God's voice. You know, I've found that God never, never shouts. He always whispers. Because God shouts at His enemies, but He whispers to His friends. Why? Because when we draw near to God, when, we, when we're in intimate relationship with Jesus, He doesn't need to raise His voice. Friends don't yell. Because when friends hang out, they talk quietly. We're, 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 having, we're having coffee together. We're not yelling. Imagine being in a restaurant, you know, having coffee, and you're yelling at the person. You know, it'd be so awkward, okay? Because friends don't have to yell. Why? Because friends are in a position where they're, they're close to each other. And when we do life with Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't yell. He doesn't force. He doesn't make us. We're not robots. He gives us free will and He allows us to be led by Him. Be led by the Spirit. Not be forced by the Spirit. Not being forced in our flesh, but being led. And I've found that peace can be our umpire. That often there's decisions in our life that we need to make. And if there's no peace in that decision, often it's a good sign that it's not God. Amen? It's sometimes a good sign that it's not God. I'll finish with this, but my wife and I, we, um, we were, it was New Year's Eve a few years ago, and we were having breakfast with friends. We were about to head to the Sunshine Coast for a holiday at the beginning of a new year. And my sister called me and she said, uh, Ben, um, granddad's gone to hospital. He's got a heart thing he's been going for a long time about 10 years always in and out of hospital just letting you know he's gone in he had a bit of a murmur that he's all good you know he's at this this hospital you don't need to visit he's going to be out in a couple of days the doctors are all happy with him but just thought I'd let you know I hung up the phone and as soon as I hung up the phone I just really felt the Holy Spirit say go right now go right now and again it's not a forcing I can choose not to I can choose to follow I can choose to do my own thing it's up to me and I just felt, go right now, go right now. I came back to the table. I said to my wife, we need to go. I said to our friends, I'm so sorry, but we need to go. We need to go right now. And we didn't know where my granddad was at with God. He'd been away from church for a long time. And um, we went to the hospital room. And as I we was walking towards the room, I just felt, again, the Holy Spirit say, this is, this is pivotal. You need to speak to him. And so we went in, we had, we had a chat with him. And I started to ask him about his relationship with God. And we actually found out that he kind of reconnected with Jesus and had a, had, knew Jesus and we were able to pray together. We prayed for him. We talked about salvation by grace, by God's grace. It's not about what we've done. It's all about what Jesus has done. We began just to talk about the grace of God and we just talked together. We prayed together and, and we left. And by the time we got to the Sunshine Coast, we found out that he had 
basically passed away um, and or he was very, very close to passing away. And that was actually the last conversation that he had with anybody, that conversation with us. And if we hadn't gone, I actually believe God did that for us, not for him. He was already right with God. But he allowed us to have that final conversation just so we would be assured that he's in heaven with Jesus now. But it was the leading, come on, it was the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. But I found that the Holy Spirit leads and guides us whenever we're willing to listen. Now, God's always speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we open to what He's saying? I've found that in life, there can be a lot of noise. Sometimes we need to drown out the noise. We need to to still the noise, quiet the noise, so we can hear from God, so we can hear His voice. But the Holy Spirit, He's always leading and guiding in big decisions and in small ones. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to finances, when it comes to, to marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to, 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 to work and, and career decisions, whatever it might be, that we're constantly living as, as human beings in this tension between emotion and wisdom. Emotions aren't bad. We just don't need to be led by them. God's given us the ability to lead our emotions, not be led. And the key is as we listen and we're obedient, and we, we're willing to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's leading and guiding through His Word, through leaders that He brings into our life, through His voice, through His leading and His guiding. Listen to this. I'm going to finish with this scripture in Galatians 5, 22. Here's, here's a picture of the kind of life that God actually wants us to live in, emotional maturity. But the Holy Spirit produces. So it's His job. He does it. We cooperate with Him. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Who wants some more love? Who wants some more love? Yeah, come on. I want some more love. Joy. Who wants some more joy? Yeah. Peace. Who wants some more peace? Freedom from anxiety in Jesus' name. Patience. I need patience. Okay, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That actually self-control is a product not of our own doing, but self-control is a fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. Come on, as we trust and we follow Him. Amen. And we don't have to, we don't have to strain and strive. It's not about our own strength. It's not about I'm gonna try and be more self-controlled. Who started the year before saying, I'm never gonna eat chocolate again? Three minutes later, we're halfway through a block of Cadbury. Okay, I'm going to exercise every day. I haven't seen the gym once. Okay, we, we, it's not about our good intentions. It's as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us. He's the one that's producing that fruit. It's as we lean into Him, as we trust in Him, He's able to produce that fruit in our lives as we simply are obedient to following His voice and being mature in our emotional world and trusting Him. And so, friend, this morning, maybe you don't know God. Maybe you're here today and you recognize me. I struggle with that. I really struggle. I'm just, I'm being led by just all kinds of things. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm out of control. It's like we talked about earlier. Often, we're often unhappy, not because we lack things, not because we actually need that car or we need those shoes or we need that relationship, but we're often most unhappy because we lack self-control. We feel like life is out of control. And friend, what we need is a real personal relationship with Jesus. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. 
Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.